Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome one, welcome all. It is Tuesday, January 17th, 2022. It is 7.02 p.m. Central Standard Time, which means we are live on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. You can watch us live. You can watch us after the fact. You can listen on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. You can listen, hear, see, read all of these people all throughout the Blog and the Boys universe. It is time for our weekly roundtable. One of two roundtables this week because we do two roundtables every week. The Dallas Cowboys have a playoff game, and they have one this week because they won their playoff game on Monday night. My name is Arjo Cho, and going in clockwise order here, we do have another full house Brady Bunch style thing. We're not going to make the same jokes two weeks in a row. Chris Holling, uh, Chris, you told us you had not eaten dinner yet. We did not starve, Chris, just in case anybody asks us. He had the option to eat dinner. Uh, so, Chris, you turned that down. That's on you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't have any time, just classes and, and then this, so... All right, that's cool. You know, nobody cares, but that's all good. Uh, Brandon Laurie, uh, henceforth known as Laurie for the purposes of this conversation because of the Brandon who is playing the um, that the Mrs. Brady role. I don't know. I, I know we already went over this, but uh, whatever. Laurie, welcome. Uh, you are the reigning BTB Roundtable champion as of Thursday's episode last week. Do you feel a little bit taller than everybody in this room? Uh, a little bit. I have a, you know, a chair that I can make myself look a little bit taller, too. So uh, mm. best of both worlds. You have a nice pearl background, too. I've always liked that, um, that you bring to the table. Dave Sturchio from Chop Sports is here to brag about the confidence and bravado that he had in this Dallas Cowboys team that not a lot of people shared. Sturch, you believed. And I was told many times in our postgame show here on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel, you have to give Sturch his credit because he believed. Now, to be fair, you believe every year, uh, but this year you were right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was very disappointed. I, I I read the article on blogging the boys of of the staff writers' predictions, and I want to say like seventy five percent of them had them losing. And I'm like, who hired these people? Um, I, I listen, very very big win. I had the confidence going in. I think uh, the party was over for Grandpa, and we uh, we took care of business. AJ says, bring it, Dave, with the fire emoji. Did not give you any points. By the way, the audience can give our round tablers points. Maybe they'll give you some, Tony Catalina. You are a bit of a fan favorite. You are sometimes like talking to a brick wall. Was that the inspiration for your background? The podcast audience can't see it, but we can. Yeah, of course. You know, there's always some hidden messages in my in my words, in my meaning. Uh, you were telling us before we started that you think you solved the issues with your streaming delay and whatnot. I don't know if you know that there was a bit of a delay uh, for your answer to my <laughs> questions. <laughs> so uh, we're um, kind of off, off to a left foot here. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, David Holden says, what a freaking game. Danny Phantom, do you agree? Was it a freaking game in your estimation? Honestly, I think it was. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. I, I, th I think he nails it. Mm. By the way, it was your first game, Danny, as a grandfather. So congratulations to you and your family from all of us. Very happy uh, for you and your family. Um, no pressure on your grandchild, but kind of got to keep this thing going. So, you know, and if not, you know, I'm not saying we like exchange it for a different grandchild. But again, the pressure is high. It's the divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, this is the hurdle the Cowboys are looking to get past. Brandon Clements, uh, you're the only one who came in a Cowboys jersey. We did it last week as a show of solidarity. Uh, did you just want to keep that party going? 
Of course, and I had to wear the 94 because of that great interview you did with uh, with DeMarcus Ware this week. That's right. People can watch that here on the Blog on the Boys YouTube channel. Go back. He did tell us what his advice would be to Micah Parsons with regards to facing Tom Brady in the playoffs. Micah and DeMarcus both now have playoff wins over the greatest player of all time. Jess Navarez, um, you are kind of the uh, the second in command this episode. I was telling everybody that my uh, my son is falling asleep and he's on the monitor here. And I said, if, if I have to leave and go tend to him, Jess is in charge. Do you feel that power rising to your head? Um, no, I like to stay a little grounded, a little humble, you know, but... If it does, I give them all permission to check me and, and bring me back down to earth, you know? Mm, well, um, he's whining, so it might uh, we might have to you know kind of execute this plan. David Howman, you told us you had a gourmet burger uh, before we started. If anybody follows you on Instagram, you are a meat lover. Um, there, there's a lot of, you know, um, different, you know, food in your life, and I am a big fan of it. Uh, what made you be in the mood for a burger? Is that like a tradition for you the day after Cowboys wins? Um, well, it, it was a tradition when they were, when they would score 40 points for the 40 burger. Um, mm. but today I was just, I was just feeling a burger and it was right down the street. So got a nice walk in and got the burger. Okay. We lost Tony Catalina. Once again, an indication of his stout internet service, um, here this evening, uh, Aisha Morrison checks in says gentlemen and my girl, Jess, everybody can listen to Aisha and Jess every day, obviously on, you know, DallasCowboys.com. These are the superstars of the world. Robert says Cowboys nation. What's up victory Tuesday. David Holden says Micah was unstoppable, even though the stat sheet didn't reflect it. King trail offers three burger emojis. Um, so again, not 40 points for the Cowboys. We don't want to cheat them out of this, but, uh, uh, Dave Sturchel, we'll start with you because uh, where was it? Where was it? Uh, Rick did give you five points for believing the Cowboys would win. Um, is this, you know, this was kind of predictable to your point. So where are we at now? Or, or was this step one? Was this phase one? Or, or is this house money? Like, where are we at now that the Cowboys have beaten Tom Brady in the wild card round of the playoffs? Three words. Job's not done. Okay. Mm. But in this regard, with this win, it felt, it felt like just this weight was lifted off and, I know I'm going to age myself, but the last time the Cowboys won a road playoff game, I was seven. So it's just, it's incredible to see. I don't like, I don't like the discredit. These are two NFL teams. I said it last week that the Cowboys didn't win 12 games by accident. It's very hard to win in the NFL. It's very hard to beat Tom Brady when he's on his game and we took them off it. So it was everything that I predicted that it would be. Um, I, I thought that they were going to get to Brady and fluster him a little bit. Not sure if we saw a Microsoft toss or a surface toss. I, I wasn't sure if that was the case. I haven't seen one yet. I'm sure there was. There was some yelling and screaming and bitching and moaning on the sideline, so that was good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we might very well have ended the man's career with a loss. I don't know what's going to happen, obviously, with Tom Brady, but that's something you can kind of kind of tout to yourself. You know, the Giants have always kind of walked around like McGregor every time, like, well, we beat him in the Super Bowl. I'm like, well, that's cool. We beat him forever. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's one of, uh, that's something I could definitely uh, take into consideration when, when talking about this year's Cowboys. But big game coming up this week, man. The uh, Giants and Cowboys, the only NFC East teams that are undefeated against Tom Brady in the playoffs. The Eagles did beat him in the Super Bowl, but they also lost to him um, in the Super Bowl before that. Brandon Laurie, there is a lot of reverse narrative stuff happening. Well, they were 8-9. Well, Tom Brady's 45 years old, whatever, whatever. Do you agree with Sturge? Who cares? It was Tom Brady. They were 0-7. They finally did it. They got it done. Dak Prescott, I don't think enough is being made out of this. His two playoff wins have come against a team led by prime Russell Wilson. And who cares what version of Tom Brady? Yeah, I, I agree with Sturch. I think that, you know, this it's amazing how 
very quickly, everybody else was saying, oh, well, you know, you guys beat uh, a Buccaneers team that was 8-9, barely got into the playoffs. Don't look like the exact team that they were uh, even two years ago when they made the Super Bowl run. But to me, when you're in the playoffs, you're playing the best. Everybody earned, has earned the right to be there. And you just have to beat the people across from you. And luckily, the Cowboys were able to do that. I thought they played an absolute flawless game besides one hiccup, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, but I think that outside of that, you look at the overall game plan. They said that, you know, we're going to go in and it really focus into a, a really aggressive game plan. And I just the way that they carried themselves after every touchdown, everybody was like, okay, back to the sideline. Let's get back to business. And to me, that is what separates the teams. When you get to the playoffs, the good from the bad, from the ugly and the Cowboys right now are doing a lot of good. Mm, Danny Phantom. It did kind of feel like the Cowboys were, um, you know, when you see a team that's down by like 17 or 20 points, like after they score or after like a goal in soccer, when they're trailing by multiple goals, they run and they get the ball, right? It's a hurry up. We got to keep going. We got to pour it on. It did kind of feel like the Cowboys were playing that way, despite, you know, having the lead. And even though the Brett Maher stuff was kind of happening, it felt like the Cowboys were there to just be a bunch of savages and, and to just take everything. They wanted to leave absolutely no prisoners, leave no doubt. And I do think that we kind of saw that, you know, in every way, shape or form, the coaching, the players, the execution. Again, Brett Maher aside, nobody's here to take shots at him. But is that what you saw, Danny Phantom? It is what I saw. And, you know, and I've been trying to tell you guys, this Mike McCarthy fella, you know, he <laughs> he's got it going on. No, I mean, I was I was very impressed Mute with, uh, with uh, how uh, – you know how the Cowboys just, they just had the foot on the gas all day. I mean, besides the first couple of possessions, I mean, they started rolling and they just didn't stop. And it was fantastic to see. I mean, I don't know if you felt this way, but like after the, after they got the pick in the end zone, it's like, okay, they went down 80 yards and scored. And that's now I'm just thinking, okay, just let's, let's just not have them score. We'll be fine. But then they didn't, they got the ball back and then boom, we're back down there again. And then they go for it and fourth down. I mean, all the things that they were doing are, are, are what championship teams do. And, you know, this is the thing that Mike McCarthy is supposed to bring to this Cowboys team. And and we got a glimpse of it. And, I, you know, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm happy with the entire coaching staff. I thought the entire coaching staff just did a fantastic job in having these guys ready. It was just a great showing by these guys. I did not organize uh, the Brady Bunch group here myself. It's just kind of the way you, you are naturally sorted by the platform that we use. Chris Holling, you and Justin Navarro are kind of next to one another in the I hate Kellen Moore side of the screen. Um, and Danny did come in here right now and say, hey, you know what? The entire coaching staff did very well. Chris, you and I did an Instagram live. You have a very prominent Instagram following. We talk about that all the time. Go follow him, uh, Dallas Cowboy Squad. Um, and I asked you if you wanted to apologize to Kellen Moore, and you said you're probably going to bring it up on the roundtable. Well, here we are. Do you want to formally apologize to Kellen Moore for doubting his greatness? <laughs> I guess I will formally apologize. I do want to see it more consistent, though. You know, like I think that, yeah, he was able to do it for this game, and that's awesome. And, and you know, it's awesome to build off that. But Kellen Moore hasn't really strung it together throughout multiple games throughout the season. He seems to have know, that it, one is game this, where is Chris's internet or my internet that froze. It might be you, RJ. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Okay. I'm good then. I mean, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so um, I think that, you know, he still has to prove that there's multiple games that he can do it in a row, and he's going to need to do it for this whole postseason, especially going up against that 49ers defense. I think he called a great game. I think he did as, did about as perfect of a job as he could. He got Tony Pollard involved on the outside run, which I thought you really needed to do against that Bucks defense. It's a big interior defensive line. You want to use Pollard's speed. I think, you know, hammering Zeke up the middle wasn't the answer, and I'm glad that we kind of got away from that quickly. He used the tight ends. He got Dalton Schultz involved. He got Jake Ferguson involved. And and I mean, I felt like it was a very Dak, Dak efficient offensive game plan, which really showed up and he showed up and, you know, you know, I have to give him his flowers. He called a great game and, and he's a huge reason why the Cowboys were able to dominate the Bucks. 
Jess Navarez, do you want to fall in line and apologize to Kellen Moore? Look, I live by this saying, it's fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. And I'm going to stick with that because I'm not apologizing yet. The season is not over, and I'm hoping it's not uh, until after the Super Bowl. However, I need to see it, just like Chris said, on a more consistent basis because this is what we know Kellen Moore is capable of. We've seen glimpses of it, but one complete game does not take away from the inconsistencies that we've seen all season that contributed to five losses during the regular season. So not yet. I will not apologize yet until I see it again in San Francisco. Then maybe I'll backtrack a little bit. I'll apologize a little bit. But until then, I need to see it multiple times before I believe it. Tony Catalina, your first and 10 mate, Dave Sturgeo, mentioned Conor McGregor. Anybody who follows you on Instagram, you kind of had that energy, Tony. You were kind of like, all right, come at me. Come at me, people. You were really flexing uh, about the Cowboys winning this game. What do you have to say to Jess and to Chris? Like, what do you mean prove it to me again? The man just went down to Tampa Bay. And they had only ever – they. This team had won the Super Bowl on that field. I mean, they went down and 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 went up and down the field, and they had four straight touchdown drives where they covered like 5,000 yards of offense. Tony Catalina, is Kellen Moore not getting enough credit? I don't think he is. Um, I think, um, you know, it's funny. I, I don't want to say, yeah, I'm not in the camp of believing that the Cowboys were like sandbagging and doing things that were like hindering them to kind of, you know, set up the playoffs. I, I don't think it was to that degree. But if you look at all sides of the ball, whether it be Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, the way they use Izzy Mukuamu and, you know, kind of how they were able to, their plan to put Jason Peters out at left tackle first and the way that they were attacking the, the Buccaneers defense, like, this is what I thought we would see all the time. And it's like, it's kind of frustrating to have the games like week 18 when you have a game like this against the, a playoff opponent. I don't care that they eight and nine, it doesn't matter. Tom Brady's 45 years old, but um, they kind of give you a peek behind the curtain of, uh, you know, me and Starch were talking about how important this football game was in our, in our group chat, just talking about like the, the impact of what this could do for Dak Prescott and in, in his, uh, you know, and his legacy and everything. Um, it, it was just such a monumental game. And I think Kellen Moore, you know, he's got to get the credit him and Dak Prescott, both in the team all around really stepped up in that moment. Mm, Brandon Clements, um, Brett, Brett Maher was the, you know, kind of, I mean, the obvious flaw in what we saw, not not to revisit that, because we all know that that was poor. What what was the second worst thing that you felt happened on Monday night for the Cowboys in a pretty amazing effort all the way around? If I had to nitpick, I would have to say Ezekiel Elliott's performance. I mean, he didn't, he averaged barely two yards to carry. If I'm nitpicking, that would be the only thing I could come up with because the team was just rolling. Dalton Schultz looked great. The entire receiving core looked great. Tony Powers doing his thing. And, and, and Dak was... Dak clearly saw the bulletin board material by the different networks that he's ranked, uh, you know, near the bottom of the uh, playoff quarterback. So Dak played a heck of a game. So the only thing that I could really come up with besides the Brett Maher situation is really uh, just the ineffectiveness of Ezekiel Elliott running the ball. David Howman, um, we all kind of said going into this game, okay, we're, we're really going to see how this this team values the run game, how this team values Tony Pollard or Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard had 15 carries to Zeke's 13. Uh, we did see CeeDee Lamb in motion, kind of to Tony's point, right? Like these things that they had done and been successful with, like all of a sudden they show back up. So again, believe what you want, whether they were saving the good players or not. But do you feel like we we did kind of get some confirmation that they're, they're not a bunch of dummies, that they recognize the value that Tony Pollard brings to the offense? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think um... – with with Tony Pollard, with the way that they ran this entire offense, I mean, it it definitely looked so much more aggressive in nature from what we saw just a week ago against Washington, what we saw against uh, Tennessee when they were resting most of their starters. 
really in the whole last month when most of the players, most of the teams on their schedule were not, you know, the upper echelon of teams that they were going to be facing. Um, so it, it maybe they didn't necessarily plan on losing all those games, but they definitely saved their best for the playoffs. And I think that's the right approach as long as you feel confident about still being able to pull out those wins in the regular season so that it doesn't affect your playoff status. Um, but yeah, the, this, this team, complete reversal from last year in the playoffs. They showed up, they were ready, and every single player, aside from the kicker, was ready to just go out there and dominate, and that's exactly what they did. Um, I like this comment from Casey. I liked your, your point, Brandon, but if, if you're being nitpicky as well, Trayvon Diggs didn't have the best game, right? Again, if we're, if we're kind of trying to, to find flaws and things we didn't love, um, it was a, I, I said on, I think it was with Chris on Instagram, it was a bit of a dirtier game. Not that he was, you know, Tom Brady had the dirty moment, but uh, kind of just a gross game, doing some gross work for Trayvon Diggs, and that isn't always going to look pretty. Uh, but okay, Cowboys beat the Bucks. Uh, we're all very excited about that, obviously. Uh, Jess and Brandon and Halman talked about that on the latest episode of the Writer's Block. Everybody can go back and listen to that in their blog on the voice podcast network obviously though we have to spin forward because the cowboys are visiting the san francisco 49ers on sunday afternoon it was this time a week ago everybody that we played a game of faith or fear i asked each of you to pick something that you either believed in or you were afraid in with regards to the cowboys uh so Lori, i have a question for you what is your favorite sequel of all time oh uh toy story 2 i think oh. toy story 2 is a solid sequel that's a great choice, actually. Home Alone, too, would have been a good answer as well. Sturch, you did not like that answer, um, I think. That's... No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> what's your favorite uh, sequel, Sturge? We go in Godfather, too? Like, what's what's your answer? Hey, that was very stereotypical. I mean, I, mean, I understand. I mean, well, you, you've like talked that. about The Godfather before. I mean, so I'm <laughs> just, you know. You want my favorite sequel? Major League 2. <laughs> um. Okay, um, Chris, you are raising your hand. Very, very polite of you, Chris Holling. Do you have a favorite sequel that you would like to share with the class? Yes, yes. I think the best sequel is Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight. I think that that's the best sequel of all time. That's we'll actually Ledger's the best Joker. He killed it. Yeah, um, that is the best answer of all time. Um, so, Laura, you suck. Sturge, you suck. Everybody sucks. Uh, Chris won cool, this, cool, uh, cool, this game. Cool. That was uh, the best answer. We're playing a sequel here, Faith or Fear 2. We're hoping to be playing uh, a third edition to the game uh, as well as a fourth. Um, I don't know of a movie that had precisely four movies. Did Lethal Weapon have four movies precisely? Um, I really don't know. But um, somebody can fact check me on that. Faith or Fear 2. I have asked everybody here, all of the panelists. Ooh, Trey Fargo says The Matrix 2. I mean, the Matrix Reloaded is a great movie. So um, I support that answer as well. Um, everybody here has something they are faithful and fearful in with regards to the Cowboys. Is anybody faithful enough to, to go first? Anybody want to volunteer? You can offer your faith or your fear. Dave Sturgio, not the Godfather, Major League 2 over here. You want to go faith or fear? Faith. And you did get points from Jeff Y, by the way, for Major League Two. So just nah, no. See? Okay, what are you faithful in with regards to the Cowboys? I told everybody it can be something on the team, something with regards to the matchup, but something you are faithful and fearful in. Sturch, you're going to go faith. Dak Prescott's in God mode right now. That that's mm. that's what he did. He performed exactly the way that nobody outside of the uh, our media, the Cowboys media, or at least some of them. You know, there's a lot of you guys that said, "Well, like, I don't know, man. Season might end." Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say that he's going to be, uh, just trying to answer the call each and every week. I think that he went out there and did everything that everything, right. There was nothing wrong. That first couple series, just kind of shaking it off a little bit. But after that, the velocity, the accuracy, the, 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 the play action, the rollouts, the throwing across the body, the runs, like we're all aware that like Dak Prescott doesn't choose to run as much as he used to, but the fact that he was running and diving and, and putting his shoulder down and trying to just 
not even live to see another play, try to make that play on that moment. Um, Dak Prescott played the best game I've ever seen him play yesterday. I mean, that was that was barn. I mean, yeah, there, there's been games where we've scored 50 points and, and you know, and it was just sound, but just the command and the leadership and stuff like that. Now that that's going to go a long way when you have to go on the road against a very, very good defense in San Francisco. And, you know, if you're looking at the two quarterback situation, you know, if you guys look at the field of quarterbacks right now, Dak Prescott is the oldest, which is just crazy to think about. So the experience is there. The playoff experience is there. Now he's got that win, the road win under his belt. He's playing all world right now, and I think it carries over. I really do. Um, this felt like a sequel. This game, it's a great answer, Sturge, um, because, Jess, I saw you shared the clip of Dak and Tom Brady at the end of the season opener a year ago where Dak said, we'll see you again. And I don't know if anybody agrees with this, but, like, that that night, Dak Prescott was marvelous, right? Like that Dak Prescott, it was such a great moment because the Cowboys were in such a mysterious way with McCarthy and Dak coming back, not just from the ankle, but the shoulder strain in training camp. And so this, it really did feel like this this incredible announcement. And I don't know that he ever played a game where he looked that that badass to kind of you know encapsulate everything you said, Sturge, since last night. I mean, and so to be wearing the same jersey, same field, same opponent, like it did kind of feel like the sequel. There were a lot of great sequel answers, by the way. Shrek 2 was an answer I loved. Um, so um just, Jess, just a, did, the visual, just a visual of the grass in the helmet, the shoulder pad hanging right. out, just like I'm I'm here to take your soul. <laughs> like, and that's what he did. So I'm proud I, of him. Actually, I, I would disagree a little bit, Sturge. And, and Jess, it, it felt like Dak was saying, I'm here to pick up where I left off. I, I didn't get to finish. And so I'm here, you know, shout out Jason Garrett, who inspired the grass field conversation all week long. But it felt like Dak Prescott was here to to pick up what he deserved, what he wanted, and, and he took it to Sturge. The dude was diving. I mean, speaking of the Matrix, like he was diving forward, picking things up. He was relentless. And it was just, it felt like a movie, like a movie style quarterback play. Yeah, and I think you saw Dak playing confident and out of his own head. I think the game plan, and again, I'm not trying to nitpick Kellen Moore here, but whatever game plan they had going in there, Dak felt confident with it, and he adjusted well uh, after the three and outs to the start of the game when it felt like, oh no, I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. We didn't have the same ending and Dak adjusted well, the entire offense adjusted well. And I think that goes along with you had your strengths back. You get your tight ends more involved. That was something that uh, Aisha talked about on the podcast even a couple of weeks ago was where's that tight end group? Where's their involvement? You get them involved. You get that run game established early. And then everybody just was communicating well, something I was really, really honing in on this week. So yeah, Dak just was comfortable. So was everybody else. You know when Dak is playing in his head and you know when Dak is playing out of it out of body experience for Dak Prescott absolutely incredible to see him and yeah he picked up right where he left off absolutely deserved every second of that game Danny Phantom um obviously there have been bigger games or more important games played and won by Dallas Cowboys quarterbacks but from a statistical and individual perspective is it not arguable that Dak Prescott played the finest postseason game that any Dallas Cowboys excuse me Dallas Cowboys quarterback ever has last night yeah, I don't think you can debate debate it. I think that um, I mean he he did everything. I think we've seen um, these flashes from Prescott about he'll do, you know he'll he'll you know rip it and then hit hit those tight windows targets and sometimes he'll do these other things. And but I think what we saw last night was a, a complete game where he did all of those things that Dak does that is great. And I think that honestly, you know, it started off a little rough, and I think that I really. I love how Kellen actually, he really makes things easy for Dak. You know, you look at, he brought in extra protection with, you know, how they used McGovern before Peters got hurt. I thought that was fantastic. Some of the motions that they did and the, you know, they just had, they just had Tampa's coverage all out of sorts. They didn't know where they were going. It was just 
well-designed, and then Prescott just feasted on it. So, I mean, I've seen a, a lot of a lot of instances where Prescott does things well, but I don't know that I've seen him put together a game like this where he was just, I mean, he honestly, he was unstoppable. This this makes me feel really good, RJ. I, I just, because we've seen, honestly, and, and Prescott hasn't played well down the stretch. I mean, the Washington game, he played terrible. So all this apprehension is 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 warranted. But what, what Dak showed us last night, I mean, that just – it, it just kind of makes some of those feelings go away. And now I, mean, I feel like we have, you know, a new hope, which by the way, my favorite sequel is Empire Strikes Back. So, mm. but I think, but Prescott, he delivered us Cowboys fans, a new hope last night. Very, very well done. Danny Phantom stuck the landing. David Hellman, something I thought was so interesting, kind of thinking back on the game and rewatching the broadcast. Um, was, and it was something very uncharacteristic of Dak was how he he kind of showed some emotion after one of the Maher misses, right? You know, so you get an extra point, you get Dak cursing and Dak, openly chastising a teammate, right? Like who has ever seen that before, right? And I think that that is, again, not a good thing. And, and Dak made up for it, obviously, with his support from Maher in the aftermath of the game. Um, but that was kind of this indication, at least in my mind, that like, holy crap, like Dak understands like what this, like Dak, Dak has heard everything to the point that everybody made. Brandon talked about a moment ago. Dak knows what this game means for his legacy. Tony talked about him and Sturge talking about in the group chat. Like no offense to Brett Maher or J. Ron Curse or Leighton Vanderish, but the game does not mean as much to them and to the way people are going to talk about them as it does to Dak Prescott. And so I think we kind of saw him in play free, but sometimes playing free is playing with fear. Like if you're if you're afraid to feel fear, you're not playing free. If that makes sense, Helmut. Yeah, and, and I mean he he was definitely playing with a, a pretty huge chip on his shoulder, and you can see that with with the way that he was playing. Like we talked about, you know, the diving. Also uh, on that drive where they ended up running the play where he uh, ran in the touchdown. A few plays before that, when they handed it off. He was out there throwing blocks too. Like it's not not just right. he was diving for first downs. He was out there trying to trying to get in there and be physical, even when he didn't have the ball. Um, and I, I just think you know the, the team in general has done a pretty good job of blocking out the noise. But to to an extent, they all know generally what's being said out there. I think Dak knew kind of what the reaction was to how poor his performance was against Washington. He knew that in the playoffs, he has to step up. He has to atone for that Washington game, he has to atone for the 49ers playoff game a year ago. He came out there, he was on a mission. And, you know, when he gets that look in his eye, he's one of those quarterbacks that like, when he's just on, he's almost unstoppable. Mm. Trey, by the way, Hamann asks, didn't you pick the Bucks last week? So, you know, that the Leighton Vanderus thing follows you around. This is going to follow you around you know, for a little bit. I, I, <laughs> I said you would be I'll, happy I'll, to be wrong. Because I did it specifically to jinx the Buccaneers, and it worked just as I planned. You know what, Search? Good vibes. Good vibes, Search. We're going to believe right, him in full face right. value. All right. He all. had a gourmet Love burger for dinner. We're all just going to take it, and we're going to eat it ourselves. Um, okay, so that was a great starting point from Search. Is anybody on the, on the opposite end of that spectrum? Is anybody fearful that what we saw cannot be replicated in San Francisco against Nick Bosa and the mighty San Francisco defense? Anybody feel that way at all? It's very interesting. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say I'm fearful, but I do think there's something to be said for, uh, you know, cautioning against a slight letdown just because he was so incredibly spectacular that to expect the exact same performance is probably a little unrealistic. Um, but that said, you know, Dak, if that's him at 100%, 80% is still plenty good enough to win, especially uh, against a, a defense like the 49ers, where we've seen some quarterbacks have been able to take advantage of them, like in that Raiders game. And Dak certainly has the ability to do it. I just think if everyone automatically assumes he's going to play exactly like he did against Tampa, 
you might be setting yourself up for a small letdown. I think mm. I think the I think the biggest thing right now is is open field tackling. I, I don't know if anybody else noticed that that every time that you thought they had him for a, a two yard gain, it turned into like a four or five. Um, and they just kind of drag, and that was you know you're looking at playoff Lenny and Rashad White and 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 casting company. Now you got Christian McCaffrey coming up, so that's the only reason. And Eli Mitchell, that guy's a bruiser as well. That's the only reason I would say like, all right, no matter how unconscious Dak plays next week, which again I think it's very very possible, even with Bosa. Okay, I'm telling you right now, like they like, they'll figure things out. They're not dumb. They haven't. It's not like this is their first rodeo. You know what I mean? They can pick up a blitz here and there and pick up a guy and chip them and do everything they got to do to stop Bosa. But I really think it has everything to do with what the defense does against all the weapons that the 49ers possess. However, I will say this. I'll be the first one to say this. The Cinderella story is over. Okay, Brock Purdy, my friend, I know you've had such a fun run. Man, it's been fun to watch you. It's been fun to watch you grow as a man and as a, as a football player. But the buck stops. You've played nobody yet. You played nobody. You've never seen anybody like Micah Parsons before. You will be peeing down your leg on Sunday. Um, Sturge, you have openly called out Tom Brady all season long, and the Cowboys cashed the check that you wrote, and you have openly called out Brock Purdy. So, um, and it would be very like kind of national media ish to like all like to next week be like, so what? The Cowboys got to the title game. They they beat forty five year old Tom Brady and, and Mister Irrelevant. Like you got you Cowboys fans are really pumped about this. Like that you could totally see that coming a mile away. Uh, right. Vance Williams, thinking about the super chats. As you know, it's better than forty burgers. Go burgers. That's a note for you, Hellman, because you had a hamburger tonight. I, I presume uh, a note for you, Danny. Johnny Boy says that he believes last week's star seminar had you saying that the Bucks would win. Uh, a lot of people keep receipts, people. So be careful with what you say. Uh, I, I say that and go to you, Brandon Laurie. Um, you raised your hand, but Sturge beat you to the punch. Let's go fear. Uh, we, we, had a, we had a faith moment. Let's get a fear moment, something you're afraid of with regards to San Francisco. Yeah, uh, it was kind of touched upon a little bit um, that maybe can, can the tank be emptied a little too early? I think mm. that, you know, like, did they put so much into this game that you're going to come out a little flat footed against the 49ers? Because, you know, you saw in the Seattle game that in a minute you could be down 14 more points, you know, even though the Seahawks were up 17 to 14. Um, so they're a fast, quick team. And to me, that could be problematic for a Cowboys team where like they were playing a lot of veteran players um, last night or on Monday night. And again, you know, it's it's good to see veteran leadership in situations like the playoffs. But again, when you have Anthony Barr out there, as opposed to maybe even like Damone Clark, Damone Clark didn't see any snaps on defense. And I do think that that shows a little bit more towards this veteran presence that Mike McCarthy wants in these situations. But again, like when you have him out there, what is it going to be like against somebody like a George Kittle against a Debo Samuel over the middle? So that's my only fear. And again, the stat was also brought up that every team facing the 49ers afterwards is 0-15, something like that. So when you play the 49ers team, everybody is throwing everything at them. Could that set up the Cowboys for a loss in the championship if they make it that far? That's like just the things that I'm kind of rattling around. I don't think so. I don't believe in that at all. Um, but again, you just think about can they empty the tank just a little bit too much in this game? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
B1, um, I think this attacks our insecurity as Cowboys fans because we've kind of seen them, right? We've seen them break through a wall, right? Cool. You know, you beat the Seahawks in the wild card round, and then you go to L.A., and you run into this team that everybody's hyping up in the Rams, and you lose, right? We, we've seen them. Okay, cool. You beat the Lions. And, and kind of to the point that, that Lori just brought up, like you empty the tank, and, and you just don't have enough. Um, is that a symptom of, of what we've known this franchise to be, or is that a fair thing that, that is applicable to all teams in the playoffs at this point? I think it's very fair for all all teams at this point. It's, it's a long season, especially with the, the extra game that we've had in the most recent years. And and now that you're in the playoffs, this is big boy football. So every game you have to give your your best shot. And, you know, Lori's right. I think, you know, you, you, there's a possibility of, uh, you know, the, the tank was, uh, you know, emptied out a little bit in this, this past game. I don't think there, I don't think that it is either. I think it's still going to be a lot closer than the Buccaneers game. I just think the Niners have enough talent all across the board. But I don't think I don't. I'm not too concerned about that letdown. I think the Cowboys are going to be in good shape, and, and it's it's you know. And I've already said it before. I said it last week. I, you know, the Niners are the, the Niners are the one team that I you know that I, I'm more afraid of them than I am than the, the Eagles. But I still think coming off of this great victory that the Cowboys had in, in all facets of the game, minus uh, minus some kicks, I think that they're they're rolling right now. And I you know I wouldn't want to be the Niners right now. I do believe that, I mean, if you're a Cowboys fan and you believe that the, the Cowboys would have to play both of them, this is the order you want to do it because you didn't want to play the Eagles coming off of, of the bye and, and you as the Cowboys coming off of a short week. I mean, this, this was the most neutral that things could possibly be, um, as, as intimidating as it is to go to San Francisco because you're probably going to have to go there at some point. Anyway, Tony Catalina, what are you faithful in? Yeah, I'm, I'm faithful in, and it's easy for me, two coordinators um, between Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore. I personally seen everything I needed to see um, I, the way that they went out there and implemented some of the talent and the guys and they used them in different ways. Like Izzy Mukulamu, I think a lot of people have been screaming for him to get cornerback reps and him to go out there and have 35 snaps and, and be used as a big body cornerback and be a matchup that they hadn't seen on film all, you know, throughout his entire career, certainly not this year was such a chess piece move, you know, being able to go out there and I know he got hurt, but the idea to use Jason Peters at left tackle and some of the play calls and the things and the aggressive nature that Kellen Moore was using with Dak Prescott to their strengths and stuff for me between the two of those, I, I personally saw everything that I've been hoping to see over the last month. I think it can carry over to the 49ers game I feel a lot of the same things that uh Sturge does about Purdy eventually that that glass slipper you know it's it's the time it's going to strike midnight with that and um why not this week and um you know I just between those two coordinators man I feel really good about what we could see moving forward David Howman Kenny says agreed Quinn did exactly what he needed to do against what was given on Tampa Bay's offense he will adapt the man is in God mode um, we sit here and we talk rightfully so about Micah Parsons and Leighton Vandrish had an incredible game Izzy Mukwamu was used in such a, a creative way again do you trust Dan Quinn I mean like that here's the thing Howman and, and I recognize the Niners are about more than Brock Purdy but Dan Quinn is this you know, I think if, if I had all of you rank the things you believe in with regards to the Cowboys, Dan Quinn would be like the third thing on everybody's list at, at the worst. And so you've got one of the best defensive coordinators in the game, Howman, against, again, the last pick in the NFL draft. That doesn't tell the whole story, but like you, if you had told us that was it, we would have signed up for that a hundred out of a hundred times back on, on draft day. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, with, with the, the thing with this defense, they, they were playing at such an elite level for so long throughout the season. And then they kind of tailed off a little bit once they had the injuries to Leighton Vanderess, Jonathan Hankins, Anthony Brown. Um, but against uh, Tampa just now, like they they got two of those guys back. They kind of figured out what they're doing with their cornerback rotation with Izzy Mukwamu kind of being that 
that big slot kind of rotating a little bit with J. Ron Curse as well. And so they, they figured out those issues. They got the players back and they were back to their elite dominant selves against Tampa. And, you know, Brock Purdy has been a, a good feel, feel good story. He's from my home state of Arizona. So I feel a little bit good about that too. get to brag on that a bit, but he also has not faced a good defense in the starts that he has played against. Specifically, he hasn't faced a defense that's good at rushing the quarterback. Um, the, the Statistically, the one that was the best based on pressures, pass rush, win rate was the Cardinals. They played him in week 18 and the Cardinals have so many injuries. Their season ended forever ago. Their head coach took off to Thailand because he couldn't, he couldn't handle how terrible that team was. And now you're facing Micah Parsons. You're facing Demarcus Lawrence. You're facing this defense that just did the impossible and was able to rattle Tom Brady, was able to make him look like he, like a 45-year-old quarterback. So I'm not saying that like it's a guarantee that he's going to absolutely get lit up because the 49ers have a lot of great weapons. Kyle Shanahan is, for my money, he's the best offensive play caller in the NFL. But Dan Quinn's one of the best defensive play callers. And they have a history having worked together in Atlanta. So it'll be interesting to see the chess match between those two. Trey Fargo gave you five points, Hammon, but um, cautioned you not to pick the 49ers this week. So just just a note uh, as we are here on Tuesday evening. Jess Navarro, what is something you are fearful in? Something that has you shaken in your boots? I'm going to go with special teams. And it can't teams. be Kellen Moore. Sorry. just No, it's clear. not. Okay. It's not. I'm going to go with special teams as a whole. Obviously, we know Brett Maher having the slip up. And again, I think everybody Oops. has said it well. I think Brandon said it on the writer's block. He said it very well last night uh, in saying we give him the benefit of the doubt because he had such a great season. So I'm not even talking about that. What I'm talking about is just in general, special teams has not been wowing me uh, like they did at the beginning of the season. Uh, my guy, Cavante, they have film on him now and they are purposely kicking the ball in different ways. So he doesn't get the ball in his hands. So of course that leads back to field position for the offense, giving, um, you know, the offense good field position, I think is going to be key against this 49ers team. So to me, I need to see the absolute best out of special teams because it seems like when we have these very great games and these great wins, that's the only thing missing in your all three phases of being incredible. And I think special teams has been good. They just haven't been on the same level as offense and defense when they're elite. So I want to see a complete game. I want to see it as a whole. And I think it starts there uh, with special teams and making sure that field position is good. And of course, addressing the issue with Brett Maher. I don't think you bring in another kicker. I think it's too late for that. And, you know, unfortunately, it is what it is at this point. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's going to be fine. He's going to hit um, two fifty-yard field goals, by the way, next Sunday. He's going to hit two fifty-yard field goals. They're really like, oh, okay. It is <laughs> funny it is. That, that it would be San Francisco of all places that like the Cowboys would enter with a, a kicking issue that was the Paul Jeff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and and it was a weird situation. Dan Bailey woke up with the back injury, I and mean, like, it was just kind of a weird. You know, there's some weird energy here. Um, does anybody think the Cowboys should move on from Brett Maher? Uh, Chris and I talked about this as well. I think we, we believe in Brandon. Obviously, Brandon Laurie believes the benefit of the doubt. Um, I do think if this was like week seven, we'd all be singing a different tune. But because it is the division around of the playoffs, you've, you've kind of made this bet. Does anybody disagree with that? No. In fact, I think they got to double down on this guy. And if if they really don't have the faith, I think you might just see McCarthy go for it a couple more times this, this time around. Or maybe a go for a two where you just didn't expect it. Or I think the... Less is more when it comes to this guy, but I know he's probably out there on the practice field on either even a player's day off today where everybody's trying to just ice their wounds. He's probably kicking 500 balls through the uprights tonight. So I, I got to assume Brett Maher has been our guy 
the entire season. You don't just give up on him now. And, and I know he set a record last night, which, by the way, was insane. The more I looked at it, I just kept looking at my dad like, Wait, is it? this is not it's not real, right? Like, this is something's wrong here. Like, you know, is, like, my, my TV is just messed up. Um, but no, you can't give up on him just yet. Um, I agree with the point, though. Chris and I talked about this on Instagram, Danny. Um, maybe the Cowboys find themselves in a like a fourth and four that's a 57-yard field goal attempt that they may have otherwise leaned on Brett Maher. And and I don't want to call it a blessing in disguise, but like it could force their hand. And like though, you know, th- this is a weekend, the divisional weekend that is arguably the best in the NFL, right? Like these are generally four really tight, really close games, one possession sort of affairs. And so if if you're talking about this offense that we just sat here and everybody went around and, and talked about Dak Prescott being in God mode, if you kind of take the the fear out of the Cowboys' hands with this, I mean it. It might wind up working for their benefit, and that's the positive spin. Yeah, it is. In fact, we talked about this in, in the offseason. Um, Landon McCool made a great point. It's like he doesn't want a, a reliable kicker in the sense of it's like you don't want to gear your offense to to be settling for field goals, you know, as we have in, in the past. And I think that, you know, what we saw obviously last night, you know, they they had an opportunity to have a really easy field goal, and they opted to go for it, and look what happened. You know, they get a touchdown out of it. Um, no, I think – I totally agree with that point, uh, but I do. I think it's important that there, there's going to be instances where you're going to need to have a, you know, have that reliable kick, you know, made, and it's going to be crucial. Uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure how the Cowboys are actually going to proceed because uh, if, if a kick once, you know, if you get the yips and you and you lose it, that's like something that you just don't get back, you know, in a, in a few days. So that is a concern. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, if 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 they have him kick and he's looking good. Then you know, obviously, it, you know, it is late, and there's limited choices here. But I do think that it's gonna. We all felt really good about Maher lining up for whatever kick he's gonna make prior, you know, earlier in the season, and now we're all gonna be on pins and needles. So we're gonna be sweating it. And I just, I don't want this to be another Cowboys exit where we lose by something silly. I, I swear, Maher, if did he, one of his misses, I think it actually hit the top of the goal. I think he, I've never seen that happen before. So that's just how crazy that was. So. I don't know. I, I don't want any kind of craziness like that. So I'm I'm really hoping that this is just kind of an anomaly for Maher and that he you know writes the ship soon. The physics of hitting it on the top on the upward trajectory are almost like literally impossible. Um, so it is amazing that Brad Maher just it, like it's an actual amazing thing. Like in in a world where gravity is nine point eight one meters per second squared. Um, the plan, what? by the way, was um uh, for everyone to have a faith and a fear. Um, we're going to try to rapid fire. I don't know if we're going to get to everybody having two, uh, but we will have two roundtables this week, so we can kind of touch on these things as we move on. Um, Chris Halling, faith or fear? Up to you. Dealer's choice. I'm going to go with faith. I really liked what I saw out of Michael Gallup and the rest of the offensive skill positions. I mean, Michael Gallup, he really did look like pre-injury Michael Gallup last night, in my opinion, especially on that first reception. I mean, he jumped so high for that catch, you know, because Dak overthrew it a little bit. Uh, I feel like all the skill position players who like are kind of like teetering in terms of like who could have bad games, could have great games. Like Dalton, I think that was Dalton's best game of his career too. You know, we're talking about Dak Prescott. Dalton did everything perfectly. It's like he couldn't he couldn't do anything wrong, especially on that uh, third quarter deep ball that um, Dak threw to him. It was like a bank shot. Just, you know, it was like a heat check and it banked in. You know, he still caught the ball. So, you know, I think everyone is playing exactly how they need to heading into next week. And, you know, we talked about how we needed other people than C.D. Lamb to step up, and that's exactly what they did. And I think that will just equal in Dak having um, 
you know, I I I I think that that'll um equal in Dak continuing with this performance heading forward. So. Tony Catalina, we we have spoken about okay, CD's alpha, CD's amazing. We have no questions or reservations about CD Lamb at this point. Dalton Schultz, you know, we sit here and you talked about. I don't know that I think the Cowboys were sandbagging or anything like that, but the last three games, Dalton Schultz has four touchdowns. All right, like it does kind of feel like they were like, you know what, Dalton, we'll let Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot have all the fun. You just hang out, you just chill out. It it kind of feels like the Cowboys have have woken that part of their offense up as of late. Yeah, I mean, I think um, we it's clear Dak Prescott and Dalton Schultz have an outstanding chemistry. Um, it doesn't matter really um, what Dak Prescott looks like out there. He He's always looking for him in the safety valve type of way. Um, you know, that 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 is such a big thing for this Cowboys team, right? Because we've been looking for that second, that third guy outside of CeeDee Lamb. Um, you know, you did see how they used T.Y. Hilton a lot more this time rather than Noah Brown. So it, it's funny. You, you, we talk about the sandbagging situation, but they just kind of made the moves that we'd hoped they would. They just waited till now to do it. Dalton Schultz becoming more of a featured guy, having his best game, like like you said, like Chris said, of his career. And um, some of these guys and some of these situations really kind of worked out last night, and you hope that they can parlay that into the divisional round. Brandon, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. CD did have the touchdown. Danny talked about a moment ago when the Cowboys elected not to kick the field. They went for on fourth down, whatever. But it was kind of a ho-hum day for CD Lamb and for Tony Pod, right? Like, they had these nice moments and whatever. But I think if, if we had sat here and said, like, well, you know, they're going to have these whatever games, we all would have said, well, man, it's probably this super close contest. But it wasn't. Like, the Cowboys were well in control, and it was because of Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz. I mean, Zeke Elliott had the, the role that you mentioned. and that's. But to that point, like, Zeke Elliott did not have a great game. Tony Pod, CD Lamb, just okay. That really says a lot about how high high the floor is for the entire offense as a whole. Yeah, and it just shows you the kind of weapons that the Cowboys offense possesses. You can beat you can beat any team in a multitude of different ways. Even when Zeke wasn't playing well, obviously Tony Pollard averaged over five yards a carry. I mean, you, Dalton Schultz, you know, like like Chris said, you know, had probably his best game of his career, two touchdowns. Uh, good call of Danny Phantom on that, by the way. I saw that on Twitter uh, the other day, so good call on that. And then, you know, CeeDee Lamb, I mean, it's he, I don't expect him to get – 10 catches for 150 yards every game. Let's, I mean, let's, he can, he's capable of doing that, of course. But, you know, the Cowboys have so many weapons on offense that, you know, there's, you know, you can just spread the ball around and they did. And then everybody, everybody did their part. It was, you know, even, even Ferguson got involved. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing to be, it's a good time to be on the Cowboys offense. Let's, uh, let, you know, give another shout out to the, the Cowboys offensive line. I know Jason Peters got nicked up there. Hopefully he plays uh, this coming week. So we'll see when the, you know, what happens. Good, good. That's good. That's good. And now well, we're sideways. Whoa. Yeah, th- 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 I don't know how you pulled this speaking off. Of speaking of the Matrix. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Speaking of like incredible <laughs> physics, I don't know how you you all. Brandon always has a situation where he rotates himself. Um, horizontally. Yeah, I think that. It, I- um, I will say to talk about Jason Peters. I hadn't, I hadn't yeah, thought right? of it this way. I mentioned when we, when I, I was talking to you, Sturge here, uh, about how you could kind of see people like hating on the Cowboys, like beating Brock Purdy, whatever. Uh, I think it's Gerson, uh, Pettis is so will Dak. They, uh, they better know what to do with defensive player of the year. Bosa Gerson has a Niners logo, um, as their, uh, their, you know, avatar. So, um, somehow, some way, Niners fans have found their way here. Uh, but Brandon Laurie, it does like we've been on the wrong end of these like narratives, right? Like, where the, it's like, well, we had this, but it was like this really small, embarrassing thing because the Cowboys found a way to ruin a season. Like, it does kind of feel like they're on the other end of this thing now, right? Like, oh, the Bucks, like they won the division. Cool. The Cowboys like vanquished that. And okay, cool. Nick Bosa is going to win defensive player of the year. But like, this is this kind of feels like, again, I'm not trying to get into like, it's their time. It feels right, blah, blah, blah. But like, we've been that team where, where like our, our player has had the individual 
individual achievement and it has meant nothing. Like you could kind of see like fate working for the Cowboys in that sense. Like, cool, Nick Bosa, take your defensive player of the year award. Micah Parsons and the Cowboys moved on. Yeah, it, it truly does. And I think that it's the epitome of kind of like what, what Danny was saying last week, you know, on the round table with the cards. It's like, what, what's the wild card? What's, what's the wrong thing that's going to happen to the Cowboys? And fortunately, you know, when you play a near perfect game, you know, pitch a near perfect game, like you did against the Bucks you kind of lose that sort of fear. You know, you don't, you can put the rabbit's foot away. I saw somebody giving some scent to uh, a Micah Parsons Jersey or something, you know, it's just this fan base is trying to find any edge possible in the, you know, mystical world to try and bring good luck to the Cowboys. And for right now, it feels like that it's for the first time in a long time that we don't have to worry about that. Um, I do think that, the like I said, the focus to me and what I saw from the Cowboys against the Bucks that to me spoke volumes that everybody seemed to be locked in from top to bottom. And, you know, even Dak, like you mentioned, you know, when he was going off on the sideline, I think that to me just showed his competitive nature that in these big time moments and these big games, that's what separates himself. And hey, for being the 12th best quarterback in the playoffs, I mean, he played pretty good, uh, you know, stupid anyway, uh, you know, but I just I have to say like that alone that's why you have Dak Prescott on your team you know to overcome these fears these narratives because he doesn't like you said on on the post game he doesn't listen to the noise he blocks all that out so when you have a quarterback that leads your team that way all of these curses and myths and all that stuff just kind of fly by the wayside I loved that answer. I, I do think that we're all trying to always like pr like prove to ourselves like we're because we're so insecure as Cowboys fans like it. Oh, this is the reason it's, it's got to happen because of this, like because of the last time. I know that I like to have fun with that on Twitter and stuff, but like it does kind of feel like they're like to hell with that. Like it's it's our time because it's our time because we're the best. So um, that is very cool. Danny Phantom, um, faith or fear. It's up to you. You know, I'm going to incorporate both of these into one. Uh, first, I want to say I I'm very pleased with how the Cowboys offensive line played. And I don't know if you guys saw. Tyler Smith, you know, Stonewall and Vita Vey, but that is something to, to, to see. So I was just pleased with everybody. I thought Tyron Smith had one of his better games. Uh, so just, and Zach Martin was getting into the second level. Biotish was moving around. They just looked really good. Connor McGregor, McGregor was, uh, Connor McGovern was doing really well. <laughs> Big Connor uh, McGregor right. episode. That's, my fault. That's on me. I put <laughs> that in your mind. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but as a whole, you know, they did a great job. But at the same time, my fear is is just the trenches. I feel like this is where the 49ers are really good, you know, both sides of the ball. I mean, you know, the McCaffrey's like he, he rushed for like almost 10 yards of carry last week. Um, that's a little worrisome. I think the Cowboys really struggled. And it doesn't matter whether what Kellen and, and what Dan Quinn does. When, when you're overpowered in trenches, you're going to lose to execution. And the, that's that's what worries me because the Cowboys offensive line, they're not mammoths there. I mean, they're 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 just people that can be overpowered. And I think that's going to be a problem with San Francisco. And then on the other side, too, you know, it's going to be really rough for the Cowboys to, you know, Hankins did it really well. You know, I, I'm probably I think we're getting we'll get Bahana maybe for this type of game. I don't know. Um, but Carlos Watkins did a great job. But still, do they have enough manpower? And that's something that worries me. So. I, hope, I just hope that they have enough in the trenches. It would be very interesting to see if Bohana is active, if they're kind of, you know, playing their roster for, for the opponents that they're, they're kind of working up against. So they say, you know what, we need those big trash can run stuff and dudes for this Niners team and Christian McCaffrey and everything. Um, do you feel that way, Jess? Are you willing to trust them that much? Are you willing to believe that the Cowboys are playing some 4D chess in that small way? 
You know, I think with all of the adversity that the O-line has faced throughout this season and all of the adjustments that they've had to make, they've held up very well. Um, I think having Biotish back was huge for this game. I talked about that earlier in the week as far as the communication factor. I think that is very overlooked and was, and, and you saw it in his absence. So I was really excited to see uh, Biotish back. Now, it didn't seem like listening uh, to the press conference today from Mike McCarthy, like Jason Peters is on the up and up. Um, so again, that's there's nothing official yet. We don't know, but that is kind of what we expected, seeing a 40-year-old man playing every single snap. Uh, unfortunately, that is the nature of this game and the physicality of that position. So I, I'm interested to see how they continue to hold up and, and what they continue to do. But kudos to Tyler Smith. Can we just talk about that kid for a second? Because this is a guy that... A day, a day before Tyron Smith went down with his injury in training camp, he had just said, if it were up to me today, Tyler Smith would not get the starting position. And this kid has not only come out as a rookie and dominated that left side in tackle and guard, but he has just continued to hold down that left side of the O-line. And it is so impressive to think that this is only his first year doing that. So um, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, I think if anybody is going to test this Cowboys uh, O-line, it's going to be this 49ers uh, D-line. So we'll see what happens. Sturge, does it seem that – I know it's a different scenario, different round, but doesn't it seem that like we were having this conversation last year about how we weren't kind of worried about what was happening over San Francisco? We just felt like we were you – know, had the world by the balls. And, you know, It just felt like all of a sudden the narrative kind of changes now where it's like, the Niners are going to be picked by everybody. And it just, it seems that way already. It seems like, oh, well, you know, the Cowboys haven't faced anybody. They just beat the, a bad Buccaneers team, right? So the world is picking the Niners. The Vegas is picking the Niners. They're giving them the points and all that stuff, right? But doesn't it seem to you guys that, like, this could be the chance that, like, the Cowboys kind of punch somebody in the mouth just like they did to us last year? I don't know. The, the way I'm feeling about this is, like, everybody is all over the Niners, and there's too many weapons, and there's too many – that's how we felt about the Cowboys last year. You know, it's like, oh, but we got Zeke and Pollard. And what about CeeDee Lamb? And we got Michael Gallup. You know what I mean? Like, we got all these weapons. And watch over the middle. We got this, that, and the third. And we went in there. And we, Dak Prescott's going to prove to the world. And blah, blah, blah. So we went in there last year thinking one way. And now this year, I think the Niners might be carrying themselves that way at home, feeling good about themselves. And then maybe the Cowboys just get to them, man. I don't know. Again, experience is a big thing for me. Guys like Demarcus Lawrence are going to really, really pay off, I think, in a situation like this where he's going to make sure everybody's dialed in. I just feel like this game, you know, while you know, I'm not about to disrespect the Niners and say they, you know, there's a lot of in the chat right now saying the Niners didn't beat anybody. And that may be true. And I did see the offenses that they've played, and I'm just like, oh, okay, well, I mean, it's not hard to stop those guys. You know what I mean? Like, But you got to respect the team. They're in a divisional round for a reason. But I really do feel like, the world's going to pick against the Cowboys. We're going to use that we're nobody's underdog mentality. And RJ, you're going to love this. I mean, all hail the pattern, right? I mean, we're going to just keep doing this thing, right? Like this, that's kind of what we're doing here. Um, to your point, Sturge, I we joke about it a lot. I remember Tony on the round table last year saying, I want the Niners, right? Like, we we wanted that. Bring on Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, he sucks, like they suck, like bring it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I think the reason that we all feel this way um is is because we were humbled uh like you know they they and they, they didn't just lose they were 
embarrassed and and then they whined and complained and deflected and that was a really hard pill to swallow uh the reason you know so last week we were all afraid like in a natural cowboys way i the reason i wanted to go with faith or fear again i think fear is a good thing like i, I think we get kind of lost in that like i think last year we we're like we're, we, we can't be afraid of anybody um I, I i read a long time ago tony dungy who was you know not the best on saturday night's playoff game um he, he has a, a son who has i don't know if it's a nerve issue but his son literally doesn't feel pain like like doesn't identify pain in, in his body um and so i remember reading that and like your instinct is like oh that must be so cool but it's like dude no that's a really terrifying thing because pain is such a, an instruction tool for you in life like you could have your hand on the stove and not realize that it's burning because you don't feel pain and so i mean tony like the, the cowboys have felt pain they know what it's like they know how precious this opportunity is and i think the thing that's made that really powerful them is that they have said we know because of what we've been through we don't give a damn about no offense, Des catching it or Romo's bobble in Seattle. Those aren't our sins to bear. Like we we have our pain and we'll deal with that those emotions. But like, you know, like scars are, are teaching tools, Tony Kelly. Oh, 100%. And that's the whole thing for me is I think they learned from their past transgressions. Like, you know, it's the, how they felt after the 49ers game. To me, I know a lot of people, are, you know, wanting the Vikings to win so they wouldn't have to go see the 49ers. They felt the Eagles were a better matchup. But to be completely honest with you, I'm not going to say I, I wanted the 49ers, but I wanted this path. I wanted this opportunity because this Cowboys team, what we've seen, Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, they feed off of like that disrespect. They feed off of that like mental side of things that you really can't quantify like the Cowboys gonna want to exercise their demons against the 49ers and that's why I'm to be honest with you I was a nervous wreck all week because I knew Tampa Bay was a team that we should on in every metric be better than and beat and take care of them in the fashion that we did but I couldn't breathe until we actually did it now I know that this team is capable of doing this they've showed us that they can kind of you know go out there and take care of business this 49ers game like Sir said nobody may be picking them nobody's thinking that the Cowboys are going to go in there and handle business but I, I'm confident in the sense that this team has what it takes they've shown us I think they can breathe a sigh of relief and yeah they have learned from their past mistakes and I think they're going to use that for the for their uh advantage moving forward vance williams says one might say that the scars remind us the pain is real so uh, we've talked conor mcgregor and now papa roach um just a really interesting round table here tonight uh we have two of you i believe that have an offer to faith or fear is that correct brandon and hellman yes thank you very much okay brandon you spoke first so brandon faith or fear i'm gonna go faith yeah, well, we've been kind of heavy on fear, so like it'd be kind of cool if you could lighten the mood a little bit, please. So. <laughs> yeah, lighten the damn so, mood. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm just, I'm, my faith is in the Cowboys' defense right now. I mean, uh, just the way they shut down Tom Brady. The, you know, the def- you know, we didn't get as many sacks as we might have wanted, but it was a lot of pressure, you know, for Tom Brady, and Tom Brady just did not look. He didn't look even close to what he was doing in the previous, uh, you know, the last few weeks of the season where he threw a 400 yards passing. I mean, he threw for 66 times. But he only completed, you know, about a little over half. So he, I mean, the the defense looked the defense looked good. Leighton Vanderash, that is that was a big thing. I mean, he, you know, him him coming back off the injury. I mean, you know, without him, it was it was you know we, you know you know sometimes you forget how important a player is until he's gone. And Leighton Vanderash is that guy. He, he looked great out there. He almost had a couple picks. I mean, he just he was all over the field. And then Hankins, the same thing. I mean, he was you know he was run he was uh, he was stuffing the run. And he even got a sack on Tom Brady. That was pretty darn good. And then the nice, the, the, the nice development that at least I saw, and I know it's only just, you know, just one, you know, one game, 
But Izzy Mokwamu, I mean, I got to tell you, that's, that kid looked great. I saw a lot of tweets from uh, his teammates. They were giving him a lot of love on social media today. I think he's. I think he might be a good, you know, a solid uh, corner. Actually, I mean, I know he can kind of play safety and corner, but I think right now the the formula at this point is keep him inside, keep him as the, you know, the the the, the cornerback three, and then you have you know Bland outside at the two, and then and you have obviously Diggs at the one, and I'm, I can play, I can I can deal with that all all game long, and then our our safeties are just deep. So I think overall, I mean, this the, the defense is exactly what it where it needs to be, and. And yes, I know uh, Sturch, Sturch loves him some uh, some Brock Purdy, and I think this is uh, this is the game where uh, I think I think Purdy is gonna uh, he's, he's gonna he's finally gonna get a taste of uh, what he hasn't had yet, and that's that's defeat. David Hellman, faith or fear? I have faith in one Michael McCarthy, the head coach, the Full one name. leading the whole thing. Full name. And we've we've kind of danced around a lot of these these things that in my mind, a lot comes back to Mike McCarthy that we saw in this game. He, he was aggressive again. And for most of the season, he hasn't really been that aggressive, whether it's going for it on fourth down. They went for it twice. They got it both times. Both times it turned into a touchdown. And also just the, the willingness to keep your foot down on the ass and, and not let up. You know, the Buccaneers, they go down and they score their first points all game. And then they the Cowboys respond. They go down the field. And instead of settling for a field goal, because you don't beat Tom Brady with field goals, Mike McCarthy knows that, he goes for it. You get the touchdown. You don't let them even have a chance of doing Tom Brady things and coming back into it. And, you know, just the the overall way that this Cowboys team has responded to resiliency this year compared to past seasons, they've, they've been more physical in the trenches. They've been more of that team where, like, they can, they can impose their will on a team. Like, when they played the Vikings and – all the players were saying, like, this is a playoff environment for us. They came out and they absolutely smashed him in the mouth. And I think you kind of saw that same kind of mentality with this Buccaneers team. I think that's what McCarthy has been all about since he showed up to Dallas. This year is his third year. It's really what it's kind of set in with the team. And that's what gives me confidence the most is seeing him kind of get back into that all-out aggressive mentality and the team really embracing him and rallying behind it for this first playoff game. And now the stage is perfectly set because they get to get revenge on the 49ers after they atone their, their sin by getting a win. Now they get to do it against the actual team that knocked them out. And Mike McCarthy's going to get a whole lot of mileage out of that this week. Um, to your point, Halman, I mean, it, within a playoff game, the Cowboys lost their starting left tackle. I mean, like, like they, and nobody really like noticed, right? Like, it's like, cool. I mean, they're just, that's who they are. They adjust, they adapt, they overcome. Um, and everybody rightfully has made a big deal about, well, Kyle Shanahan lost his franchise quarter or Trey Lance, whatever he had to make, make do. And he did, has done an incredible job. Like, he gets all of the mileage for that point. It's like, oh, well, you know, Mike McCarthy, so what? They had to play five games without Dak Prescott. That, we just all talked about how Dak Prescott was maybe the best player throughout Wild Card Weekend, and the Cowboys had to play five games without him this season. And here they stand, here they sit in the divisional round of the playoffs. Um, okay, uh, we have a bit of a playoff ourselves here on the round table. I don't know how I thought that we could possibly get to two points from all of you. That was a really stupid idea on my behalf. Um, okay, so we have a three-way tie for with 25 points tonight. Um, Tony Catalina, do you have a guess on who the three people are? Well, it's definitely me. Um, I would say uh, Howman and Lori. Um, you're completely wrong. Uh, so um, way <laughs> to miss you. that. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we have a three-way tie between Jess, Danny Phantom, and Sturch. Uh, now, Jess was the first person to get to 25 points. Uh, so, Jess, you are safely in the clubhouse, so to speak. 
We're going to come up with two winners, and each of you are going to pick a winner to bring with you. We're going to have four winners here tonight for Dak Prescott, obviously. Um, so Jess and somebody are going to get to pick a winner. So Jess, you get to pick between Danny and Sturch, who is a co-champion with you, and then each of you are going to pick a winner to make your foursome. Oh, God, why would you do that to me? I that told you is... at the beginning of this that if I left, you were in charge. I thought you were ready for this responsibility. Oh, man. All right. I didn't know it came with this much pressure. Okay. Oh, I got to breathe for a second. All right. So I'll have to pick between Danny and Sturge. Yes. And you're giving whoever you pick the right to pick somebody else as a co-champion with you and two other people. Oh, my God. This is so much. Okay. It's a very Look, simple explanation of the rules. So. I, I got you. I got you. I got you, RJ. I got you. I'm gonna go with Danny because mm. I'm, I'm very I'm very proud that we agreed with with most of our points tonight, and that rarely happens on these roundtables. So, Danny, I'm gonna go with you, and for the new grandbaby, I just feel like it's only fair. Okay, so congratulations to Jess and Danny. You are the first two established winners. Nobody can take this title from you. Each of you get to pick somebody to join you. We're gonna have four winners on this roundtable. Danny, you get to go first. You know what? I'm gonna keep the the writers block together and I'm going to take Lori to join us. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Brandon, Lori, you are now one of the winners for tonight's round table. Jess, you have somebody else to pick the last person who gets a share of the gold medal. Um, let's see. I'm going to go with Tony tonight because <laughs> like he, he, he got that guess wrong. I feel kind of bad. I'm going to go with Tony. My guy, Tony just doesn't get enough credit. I'm going to go Tony. Tony, Catalina, congratulations. Does it feel real? Does it feel authentic? Or does it feel kind of Mickey Mouse? Coming from Jess, it's as real as it can get. Uh, David Howman, did this feel fair and democratic to you? Absolutely. I think it was a brilliant idea from a great host. You know what? We now have five winners. David Howman has joined uh, the crew. Actually, Chris Holling, you were raising your hand. Yeah. Um. You know, last time we did this faith or fear thing, we talked about how it felt a lot like Survivor. This also kind of feels a lot like Survivor because sometimes they have those challenges where they get a nice reward and then they're like, you know what, pick a couple people to take with you. And this is exactly what it feels like. I feel like one of the tribe members who has to go back and eat rice and uh, and uh, sit by a by a lukewarm fire in the sand. So, yeah, no, I feel it right now. I'm definitely feeling I'm, it. I'm really bummed that neither of these people picked you, Chris, because that was I, awesome. I, I feel terrible now. <laughs> I know. Okay. I feel really bad. I might not sleep. It's all good. Tonight. It's all good. You know why it's all good? Because just like the rest of the country and all the talking heads and now Jess and Phantom, everybody picked them. Nobody's picking the Cowboys. So I'll I'll take that. I'll take the outside road. I will take that. I'll be back next week after we beat the 49ers to become champion once again. I'm you all know what? Sir, the only reason I didn't pick you is because you know you're a winner of your own. Like uh, you don't need the title. You don't need the title. How do you do that thing? How do you do the thing? And to be fair, everyone is a winner in their own sense. Brandon, you defied gravity tonight. I mean, with the ninety degree rotation uh, once again. Um, so you know, you and Alpha are, are the are the true like defiers gravity. Um, wow, Watsamata offers Sturch says so. This is a, like a conspiracy at this point. So how did Sturch tie for the most points and yet is not one of the four co-champions? I don't make the rules. I just implement them and execute them. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna host my own roundtable. It's just gonna be me and Watsamata, and we're just gonna hang out. And just <laughs> you know what, Sturch? Though to to the point, um, to Chris's point about Survivor, sometimes you know somebody has an immunity immunity idol. Somebody has immunity from the challenge. So like sometimes there's literally only one person who can go home because they don't have a share of of those things, and, and that just wound up being you tonight. Um, so uh, like by Rupert. the way, uh, Rick's no, it's not Tony. I'm gonna 
revoke your winning if you don't stop that. Uh, I don't want to miss the super <laughs> chat from Watsamata. Says the boys are four and two against the remaining eight teams. What does that tell you? Everybody answer this question. I like this. So we'll go uh, in clockwise order, starting with Chris Holling. What does it tell you? The Cowboys are four and two against the remaining eight teams. The four wins, the New York Giants, obviously two of them, the Eagles on Christmas Eve, and the Cincinnati Bengals way back when. And just sorry, sorry, Chris, two of those wins did come without Dak Prescott, just so we're fully clear on the whole transparency, uh, transparency of the situation. Chris Holling. It means that we're legit and that we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> That's what that I means. Mean. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. All right. We, we only have seven people to go, but uh, that was uh, Brandon Laurie. Uh, I mean, I'm glad you already won. because. <laughs> Hey, I'd like to mention too, uh, three-time champion, uh, three roundtables in a row, so That's you know, not, true. Too, not too shabby. Um, but no, they play up to their level of competition. I mean, we've talked about you know all all the time how the Cowboys. It's just like oh, they're not as good when they play the Texans or anybody. They're stepping it up. They beat champions uh, like you know the Bengals and all these other teams. Uh, the Cowboys are clearly the better team right now. David Sturgeon. Um four and two against the remaining teams just means that you know once again that the, the Cowboys are being slept on right now and and you look at the rest of the field right now and like i told you about prescott being the oldest one the most experienced quarterback out there i think that's gonna pay that's gonna pay off going forward so that's that's where i got the four and two cowboys david howman it means that they're capable of beating whoever they come up against and the only one that can stop them is themselves Mm. brandon clements deep feeling very good i think i think the, the chances of winning the super bowl have increased immensely after last week's performance Mm, Tony Catalina, maybe arguably the least deserving winner of the four, but you know that's just what the streets oh, are saying. Shut it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, you know, honestly, them being four and two to me confirms what we already know: they beat good teams and they can beat anybody any given Sunday. Look at that! Talk about movies. Talk about movies that need a sequel. It's Danny Phantom. movie of all time. Yeah, it means all with our fingernails. That's what Mike McCarthy said at halftime. Last Danny Phantom. It means all those things that everyone just said, but I just want to throw this out there too. We are one win away from being somewhere we haven't been in a long time. So, you know, this is a really great moment, you know, and, and we, we we don't get these very often. But so I just want everyone to to savor this time because this is this is going to be huge Sunday. I just I just also want to back that up and say that, you know, with the win on the road in the playoffs against Brady, who was beating us a million times and on the grass and in the blue jerseys like and I'm not trying to play with house money by any stretch. If we do not conquer this game on sunday you know next year when when things are rolling there's no more like well they haven't done this since 19 you know what i mean like we've we've tackled a lot of demons with this win over tom brady and i really truly think that if there's anything that's destiny all right if there's anything that's destiny it could be this team this year it really can See, I think they're like the anti-destineers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think everybody would have loved like, oh, Tom Brady's going to San Francisco for a playoff game. His boyhood team, he was at the catch. And the Cowboys like, sorry, like, whoops. <laughs> <We're too lazy. laughs> yeah, we, we, we ruined that. My, our bad. You know, sorry whoops. to spoil your, um, you know, your Black Panther party, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, they're just kind of like not about this. Um, so, Jess Navarro, what does it tell you that they are four and two against the remaining teams? It's right where they need to be. And this team is rewriting the history that has cursed them for years and years and years. And they're taking every step possible to do that. And uh, it means father time is coming and it's sitting real purdy for the uh, 49ers. So that doesn't tell you anything. There you go. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to make the had to. Had to. Um, Who else would it be? Come on. Um, I don't know. I would have thought it would have been Tony, if I'm being honest, if that that would have been my guess. Uh, So, uh, but Tony, you are a champion tonight. Uh, Congratulations. 
you know, you're the person who did no work, you know what I mean, in the group project, but you get the A plus nevertheless. Uh, <laughs> wow, dude. Um, okay, uh, Tony Catalina, pick a non-winner to make a random noise of your choosing. Please tell us why you were picking the person you were picking and why you were picking the noise that you were picking. Um, only I'm gonna pick Brandon C only because I looked him in the eye here. So, <laughs> so I I want um give me um give us a, Tony it's a team give game us a buccaneer um making a, a battle cry as they lose their final battle. Mm, I had a good one. I had a better one. Okay, that's yeah. Let's get rid of that yeah, one. Let's go. St- uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what did you? Have? That was so long. Give us a buccaneer on Brandon. Give uh, us. On a give us a. Give us a goat being eaten by a lion. How about that? Gruesome. <laughs> <laughs>